You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 45 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. I should be saying episode 45 part two because this, this episode was actually recorded about two weeks ago. Um, but that's in our archives because no one else is going to see that because uh, we had to scrap it, unfortunately, due to audio issues. Um, so we're going to have to redo this one. It's two weeks later. So a lot has actually changed, believe it or not, within that two weeks. Because it was prior to training camp, it was during the uh, rookie camp or the rookie tournament, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're going to get into a bunch of things. And honestly, it doesn't sound like it's been a while because we actually recorded that episode. But it's been a while since we've actually published an episode. So um, it's good to be back. I'm sure uh, Well, we hope that those who are listening are happy to hear our voices again. It's a new hockey season. And uh, yeah, we're excited to talk about the halves again. It's... Uh... October is quickly approaching, Mark. We're what? Yeah. September September 30th today. Wow. Time is flying. Practically September is October. 30th. There you go. So, I mean, hockey's legitimately right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're excited. We're excited to be back on a semi, semi-consistent basis, um, trying to be a weekly basis. So, we're excited to talk some hockey and deliver you guys the content uh, you guys have been enjoying for the past year and a bit. Yeah. So, since we haven't covered the biggest news that have come out of... Montreal Canadiens land in recent uh, history as uh, the newest captain of the Montreal Canadiens. I believe he's the 31st captain. He is the youngest captain ever named. And he goes by the name of Nick Suzuki, um, something we were kind of expecting. Um, right? I think it was kind of out there, but there's obviously the name Brendan Gallagher. Um, Joel Edmondson's name was out there. And then they got the two A's, newest captain. So you got a C on a jersey, an RBC patch on a jersey. We'll start with a C. Um, I'm 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 ecstatic about the news. I think that it was the right choice, and I think for those that may look to other avenues, whether the guys you named, right, the Gallagher, the Edmondson. In my opinion, I think that one of the biggest reasons in my mind for choosing a guy like Suzuki was because you have a young guy who's being named captain, but a lot of the guys on this team moving forward are kind of in that same age range, right? So you're kind of getting a group of guys led by a guy that is similar in age to everyone else. And they're going to be able to move as one. Whereas, you know, naming a guy like Gallagher Edmondson, who's a little bit, who are a little bit more up there in age might not be around when the team is in full throttle and in their prime, you could say. So I think that it was the right move. I think that you get a guy with a few, a couple, two or three years of experience under his belt who's now going to be able to you know, work off that experience and use that to his advantage to be the captain of one the most storied franchise in the, in the National Hockey League. I think they knew Nick Suzuki was going to be the captain of this team. It was just a question of when was it going to happen. Um, and it just clearly wasn't worth waiting two years and having like a bridge sort of captain until they would give it to Suzuki. And ultimately, I think it's the right choice. Give it to him now. If he's ready, he's ready. It sounds like he's ready. His teammates think he's ready. Um, so it just, it's cool to see that, to see that C on uh, Suzuki's Jersey, you know, especially from, if you look back at that patch ready deal, you're training a captain for a, a future captain, which, uh, if you're acquiring a captain, in a trade, I think it's a pretty good deal at the end of the day. So absolutely, I'm happy for Nick. It looks good. Um, speaking of looking good or not looking good or not looking good at all for that matter. Yeah. Um, RBC has won the bid to have their logo on one of the nicest jerseys in the league an original six jersey that has never been altered prior well now it has been with a bright blue and yellow logo that doesn't match anything on that jersey look we'll get into this um i don't mind sponsorships on jerseys i think this league is heading in a direction where they need money and money's an object in every league right now. So in sports, that's what it is. Marketing, there's marketing all over the boards, on the ice. Um, we've lost at Stanley Cup playoffs and finals patches on the ice. Now it's sponsorships behind the net. So it's getting there. The helmets. So we knew it was coming, and I don't mind it. But what bothers me is the fact that the 
the organization doesn't make an effort to make sure that that logo is altered and and looks and matches their colors, their colorway. If you look at Washington, they have a betting company. I forget which one it is. And it's just white mm-hmm. because it matches the red, right? Um, and it, even the Toronto Maple Leafs, for that matter, it, it's a horrible choice. <laughs> it, says, it says milk, but it's all white. What if it said milk and orange? And you're like, wait, what? You know what I mean? Yeah, d- no, it doesn't make sense. And and look, it, yeah. Like, I, I understand. I understand that RBC, that's their colors. That's their logo. And they obviously paid the big bucks to make sure that it was th- those colors because everyone looks at that logo. It's the first thing you look at. Right. But if I'm the Canadians and any other original six team, you got you to gotta look at this and say, look, we're altering an original six jersey here. Let's try and make it as subtle as possible. And the Leafs, yeah, it's subtle. It says milk, but it's subtle. Like, it's just there. And, like, it's that's fine. But to have a bright blue patch with a yellow... I don't even know what that thing is. It's like, come on. You know, it's the first yeah. thing you look at. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a little bit too obvious, in my opinion, right? Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's what you're getting at. And it's at. big. If it was like a word... Right. You know what I mean? Then it would have been smaller. Like, yeah, no, it's it's. I think it's a a big W for RBC. Oh, huge! A big L for Montreal. Huge, huge. And um, it's unfortunate because again, like you mentioned on countless occasions, right there, it's it's you're altering an original six jersey, an, an original six logo, and and when you look at the jersey face on, right? Like when when they were when they posted the picture for Nick Suzuki being announced captain, and you know, like <laughs> your, your eyes are not looking at that. See, your eyes are. Looking I thought at it wasn't yeah. logo. You know, I thought it was an RBC commercial or an ad. Well, that well, that's it. And you know what? It kind of it's again, it's it's a little bit disappointing. It's it's a little bit aggravating, I guess you could say, for the avid fans. But what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I'm sure that they, I'm sure that there was a lot of money that was put into that deal, and I guess you take it and run. I guess it must have been lucrative enough, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of money only for the red sweater, though, because the away white jersey does not have a sponsor as of now. It will, I'm sure, because they're going to do it but it doesn't have one right now so hopefully it's not something blue. crazy like you know imagine it being blue like they just slap up yeah. the RBC blue logo on the white jersey that's yeah. even worse that, yeah it's bad too but uh yeah like again look at the i i mentioned i mentioned this on the episode that got cut out but detroit original six plain shirt like that's a like super super plain it looks super clean their arena is the Little Caesars Arena. And usually, most teams just use the arena sponsor and they get the jersey sponsor, whatever. Like um, Pittsburgh, for example. What if they were to put Little Caesars on the Detroit Red Wings jersey? Like, I, I, don't, know if they have an, I don't know if they have announced a sponsor. I haven't seen it yet. But, you know, like... Yeah, no, it, it's it, I don't I don't get it. You know, I I, I don't get nothing it. against their pizza. I'm just saying it's an orange logo, right? So it, it just right off the bat, your the colors just don't work. Yeah, unless they if they put it all white, if they alter the logos and or the colors, sorry, then yeah, sure, put whatever you want, <laughs> but change the colors. You know, right? I agree. Anyways, that's out of the way. Enough um, logo talk. Or enough, enough logo and enough, enough sponsorship. Talk. Yeah, enough talking about RBC and giving them even more marketing opportunities. Um, <laughs> Sean Monahan is a Montreal Canadian. We didn't talk about that. Um, the deal was for future considerations. It was a cap dump for Calgary, so they can sign Nazem Kadri. The Canadians get a a veteran at center who is trying to regain his steps in the National Hockey League after a few bad injuries. Um, and it's cool because I think it's going to be a guy who, you know, steps into the lineup and helps out the younger centermen. And there's a lot of them now that now that we're actually in full training camp mode and you look at those centermen yeah. that are in the pipeline. Um, it's good to have guys like this around. And I think with him and Dvorak, it'll be very important to have them around Doc. Like, that's the biggest one I look at. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think I think the move made made sense all around made sense. Mm-hmm. Um We'll talk about it a little bit later as we get into lines and lineups and and uh, looking at which players slot in, which players slot out. But it does beg the question um, to look at 
what happens at the end of the year or what happens come trade deadline, which players are in, which players are out. And, and look, I think that all around, it makes a lot of sense for Montreal, a team that's non-competitive that can take on some salary and gain some assets like a, like a conditional first round pick barring the other conditions that may apply. Um, But it does, it does look at a lot of other players that may or may not get a chance because of the fact that certain players older veterans that are trying to prove themselves before the deadline are getting that chance. So we'll talk about that a a little bit later, but I think all around looking at that Monaghan deal, it did make sense. Yeah, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, we're not going to get into those conditions. Like, no Um, way. That'll take the whole episode if you do that. It's like reading reading the terms and conditions on an app. It just never happens. Yeah, or you know when you do a software update on your phone? There you go. You just click Who reads that? Accept and next. Yeah, exactly. Um... Primo, uh, I don't think we spoke about that. Primo got signed to his deal, right? Um, I don't know if you have that on you. The, the I don't, money? but if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it was eight hundred and ninety thousand dollars okay. a year. So it's I that will, ballpark for sure. Yeah. Um, and it was a one way deal, but of course he can still go to Laval because of some condition that he didn't play enough games. I forget what it is, but he can still go to Laval, so don't freak out that it's a one way deal, um, because he will be, in my opinion, going to Laval, especially after the few games that just happened. Um, but yeah, and, and I think he can use it. We we spoke about Primo way like way too many times. I think he he needs to. This is his year. He gotta he gotta take the next step. And if it's in Laval, sure, take the next step in Laval. But then you know, come next season or whenever that may be in a few months, make sure you're taking strides in the National Hockey League because you know there's there's so much time you could have. There's so many shots you could have year in and year out. Um, you're drafting every year, so. There's always going to be new people coming in. So um, for Primo, uh, the, the clock is somewhat ticking. It's not ticking just yet, but it's somewhat clicking. Uh, ticking. Excuse me. 100%. I would agree. And you know what? Uh, especially for a goalie, right? We've seen this. We've seen this drill before with a guy like Zachary Fucali. And I'm not comparing the situation. I'm just comparing a highly touted, I guess you can say, quote unquote, prospect who, you know, he was drafted in the seventh round out of, um, I'm, missing the what northeastern uh out of northeastern in the seventh round he proved himself he proves himself but now but now it's time to take like you said that next step and prove it at the nhl level and sooner rather than later right he's 23 years old he signed his contract through 2024 2025 so he becomes an rfa again in the 2025 2026 season but again you know the like you said the clock is ticking and he does have to show up in the next few years to be able to solidify that spot especially with a potential vacancy um without carry price being in net well, any any longer well that's the thing you know you're not just trying to replace a goalie you're trying to replace arguably the best one that ever put on this jersey so you got to look like ken hughes has got to be looking around and saying is he that guy because he's going to be the first general manager to replace his goalie like let, let's let's look at this that he's not going to play anymore carry price because mm-hmm. it's, it's looking like that mm-hmm. you're replacing carry price and yes, everyone's going to say, yay, finally, $10 million, $10.5 million off the cap. That's also a carry price off the cap. That's a carry price out of your lineup. A guy who, a few years back, if you score two goals, you win the hockey game. So how are you going to regain? Because we could have all the forwards in the world and all the defensemen that are good at puck moving the puck. But if you got a guy in net who can't stop a puck, you're going to be looking like the Edmonton Oilers sooner rather than later. So if they can... If they can assess sooner rather than later, if Primo is that guy, it's better because then you're looking in the future and saying, do we have to draft? Do we have to use one of our first rounders to get a goalie? And like, I don't know if you're ever, if you're against using a first rounder for a goalie. I think if you have a few, maybe like one or like if you have two and there's a guy there that you really think can be that guy, I don't mind it. Mm hmm. Because I think there's a huge difference between like a Jake Ottinger, you know, who's selected in the first round, or like a Jack Campbell. Oh, a hundred percent. You know what I mean? So like, I think if the opportunity is there, you use it. But then we got to see with Primo. So I think that's gonna come um, in the next, I say, two seasons. 
Right. And, and just to go back to what you said before, you were talking about, you know, it's a 10, it's a 10 and a half million dollar contract off the cap, but it's also a carry price that's off the cap and mm-hmm. let's not, or off our, off the roster, but let's not forget that, you know, for the past 10 years, we have not have to, we have not had to worry about drafting a yeah. goalie, let alone in the first round. Right. So yeah. I think that we have to keep that in mind and, and consider the fact that if some of these goalies don't pan out, right. Like a Primo, like a Jacob Dobes, then, then the next step, the next move, right. Because you can have the you can have a great roster. You can have a great roster, a great a, a good, solid, constructed roster by Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon. But if they don't address, I guess you could say the problem in net at some point or another in the next few seasons, your team can very much fall apart come round one, right? Because you don't have that solid goaltending. There was a reason that Montreal was successful when they were in the playoffs, and a big part of that was Carey Price. So mm-hmm. if that if that goaltending position is not assessed properly then who knows where this team could end up, right? So it's so that's important. the way I see it. We took it for granted well, that we had well, that guy it. in Nets. Like it was taken for granted. Obviously, they couldn't um, take advantage of him being in Nets, but Unfortunately. Uh, that's, a, that's a different story. Um, the Habs had their annual golf tournament. It felt like it's been a while since they had that due to COVID, but they had it. Not everyone showed up um, due to a bunch of different reasons, but um, it looked cool. Everyone seemed happy. Uh, Jeb Gordon spoke, Ken Hughes spoke, St. Louis spoke, everyone spoke. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to see what's going to happen moving forward because it's a season where you got guys like Joel Edmondson saying, look, we're going to make a playoff push here because we want to work competitors. But then you look at their roster and you're like, well, half of you are getting dealt at the deadline. You know, like changes are going to happen at that deadline. And whether or not they're competitive, like if you look at, let's say, Justin, let's say, the Canadians are third in the Atlantic one week ahead of the trade deadline. And like they're pushing for second. Like they're they're there. Okay. But you had in mind at the start of the season that by the trade deadline, I'm blowing up this roster to get as many assets as possible. Mm-hmm. Do you stick with that plan? Or do you say, you know what, these these guys deserved a run to attempt a playoff run? Here's why why I say that you ditch the plan and and stay and and stay true to the season that you're having. The reason I yeah. say that is because a lot of the guys that you plan on moving become UFAs at the end of the season anyway, right? You look at a guy like uh, Mike Hoffman's on two years left, so that's a different story. But a guy like John Monahan, right, one year left. Dad, no, one year left. Drew Wayne, UFA at the end of the season, right? So these are guys that you you would potentially want to be moving. Now, if you can make a playoff push with them, great. And if you and if you lose in the second round or you lose in the first round for that matter, they're gone after the season anyway. Now it is it is interesting, right? Because you don't necessarily gain the assets that you would have liked to start the season. But if you're there and present, you're not going to just, you know, you you can't you can't just just ditch that plan, right? For me, there's two words. It's Connor Bedard. Like, I, right? But, the, but you know what I mean. Like, if there's a time to have a bad hockey team, it's now. Well, okay, yes, I 100% agree with you, but but the thing is that you're saying, you know, they're second in the Atlantic or third in the Atlantic pushing for second, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're what okay, so I I know you didn't, you know, give a hypothetical saying at what point in the season. Yeah. But let's say but let's say you're you're a few games before trade deadline. Oh, I said you're a week. A week before trade deadline. So mm-hmm. you're you, so you're telling me you you just sell it all? I try look, to get as many assets as possible. Look, I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all because I do because I do think that realistically you're you're looking at this draft class and it is so incredibly strong in the top five, right? Any pick that you're going to get there, you're going to be happy with. Um, but I just you know it's 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 weird because third in the Atlantic pushing for second is very that, yeah. you're in it. You're in it. I look at I look at the Thomas Tatar um, trade speculation a few years back when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. At the deadline, there was a decision because the Habs were, what, third in the North Division? Or they were bouncing around the North Division? And it was, do we trade Thomas Tatar to like a team like the Colorado Avalanche who are ready to take a run at the Cup? Or do we push through and try and secure that playoff spot? And they kept him. They pushed through. But he played one playoff game. Or two. Right. And that could have been a first-round pick. Right, so you kind of look back, and if I if I'm at the deadline, and this team miraculously, like Jake Allen, goes crazy, and all these players are carrying each other on their back, and 
you're at a point where you're a week from the deadline and someone gives you a call and say, well, what's the price on Dadunov because we're willing to pay to have a guy like that for the playoffs? I'm not going to say, uh, you know, I, right. I want to try and push through. No, I, I I think I agree with that. And I think that yeah. look, I, I was looking at it from a from a standpoint where, you know, it, it, it's it's almost too good to be true, right? You, yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're it's saying, not going to happen. You know what, though? You never know, right? A, yeah. lot of these, a lot of these teams some, somehow band together and put up and, you know, again, you're, 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 you have a lot of guys on this team that I wouldn't say have something to prove, but well, yeah, I would say something to prove, right? A, a bunch of guys on one year, one year, one year left on their deal that want to prove something to to gain another contract in in this league, and I think that they're going to do everything in their in their power to do so. So, I mean, you 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 know, you're not you wouldn't be surprised if Dadnall puts up 25 goals or Monahan puts up 65 points, right? So, again, we don't know th- those. I'm just shooting numbers out mm-hmm. here, but what yeah, if, yeah. what if what if and if that does come to fruition, then all of a sudden you're in a position where. Oh, now, okay, fourth in the Atlantic, even right, pushing for third. It's still, it's still in that playoff territory. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I do agree with you ultimately. Um. Yeah, it's tough. I just this year, it, you just, in my opinion, you got to get a top five pick. You have to. Um, well, let's be real. I mean, it's just I, I don't think it will happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to be pushing. I think it's going to be a nice fire sale the deadline. Get a bunch of assets. But I and, actually um, have a question for you, if you don't mind. I'm, yeah, I'm going to sh- shoot this back in your direction because. You look at this team, right? And now, and now we we have a lot of guys like like I mentioned before, the Hoffmans, the Monahans, the I'll you know what I'll leave Drouin aside, but the Dadnov, even the Dvorak, but Dvorak I'll put in the same category as Drouin here. A lot of these he guys still has that term are, though, no? Does he still have Dvorak? Term? Yes, correct. He does have yeah. term. But the reason okay. I say put in the category is just because I think that compared to the Monahan, the Dadnov, the Hoffman, you're you know you have I feel like they're a little bit of a step up in terms of in terms of value on your roster. Like they bring a little bit more to the table. Like I think okay. Dvorak is a little bit more, in my opinion, Dvorak is more valuable to the Montreal Canadiens than Monaghan is going. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, so, so that's just kind of like how I'm comparing yeah. it. But my question yeah. to you is that, you know, you 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 say it like this. You're saying you're saying, look, if if they're in a position fourth or third in the Atlantic Division and are pushing for a playoff spot, and it's because a lot of these guys are maybe you can say overperforming. But does that not make you rethink? the approach to the start of the season where a guy like Kent Hughes or Jeff Gordon or the management as a whole should maybe, you know, take this crop of four or five players and, and maybe say, look, it, it might be worth it to get rid of these guys. And I know, and I know that the reason that they're on their roster to begin with is to get assets before the deadline, but would it be worth it to have younger guys who are out there to prove something on your roster? Because realistically younger players are not going to really, you know, give you that boost in a season, but a guy like Monaghan, again, he's proven himself in, in the past. Dadnov's proven himself in the past. So would you rather have these guys that are just out there to have fun and prove themselves and get better and develop versus guys that are out there to prove themselves and actually maybe take this team and give them a boost to the point where they're somewhat in a potential playoff spot? Oh, I'd rather have the Monaghan's on the ice. Um, yeah, but would you have, would you rather, have, so you're saying you'd rather have the Monaghan's on the ice in terms of competing or in terms of just blowing up the season as a whole? In my opinion, when I look at acquiring Dadanov, Monahan, um, I don't know if there's someone else in there. The goal in mind is to acquire assets from their deal and then acquire more assets by moving them later on. Okay, so okay, yes, absolutely. So my follow-up question here, or not question mm-hmm. or comment, is do you think the Montreal Canadiens have too many of those players? No, you can never have too many of those players. But see, that's where I maybe disagree a little bit is because a guy like Monaghan and Dadnov and Drouin again on a contract year and mm-hmm. Hoffman who has two years left and maybe wants to you know, continue to put up points in the NHL. What if all of a sudden these guys are pooling together to combine for X amount of goals, X amount of assists? And, and again, like you said, all of a sudden you're third in the Atlantic. That's something that you really, really, yeah. really want to avoid. Oh, you want to avoid that? Oh, okay. I can't know what you mean because you because, don't want to win. Because you don't. Well, that's it, right? You have a lot okay. of these players that are want to prove themselves, but to, in order yeah, for them to mean. prove themselves, they're going to have to be somewhat decent. You can't yeah. have you can't have four twenty five goal scorers on your team and not be somewhat competitive. No, okay, I know what you mean. I know what you, you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like last year, I, we had such a small pool of players on our teams that actually contributed to. Like Suzuki had sixty points. Caulfield finished the season on a very good note, but the rest of the team was very mediocre in terms of point scoring. But now, but now, I, all of a sudden, we have all these guys that have the potential to do so. Yeah, I don't think Sean Monahan has the potential to score twenty. Like he's still like he he hasn't right. played a full NHL season in how long now? So um I think he's gonna be like a like a better Eric Stahl, you know, who's just there, scores and does the right things every now and then. 
Um, Dadanov, he's he's the one where I look at and I say, okay, like he can be the quickest twenty goals in and out. You come to Montreal, you get out for a nice a nice draft pick. Um, Drouet, I don't look as like a, a type of he's not a rental for a team in my opinion. Like if we're looking at if we're looking at um, uh, Monahan and Dadanov. Those are rentals. Those are pure rentals that are going to go to a Stanley Cup contender and leave. Absolutely. Drouet, I think, first of all, if you're going to flip him, if that's the decision that's made, I think it's going to be to a team that wants him for a playoff run and more. Right? Um, look, I could be completely wrong on this. I can, no. They could flip him and then he just goes to a team and then leaves. Um, or he could, look, who knows? He could sign an extension here. Do I see it? I don't know. I have to. We have to see how the season plays out. Mm-hmm. But the thing with Jonathan Drouin is that a lot of faith and a lot of optimism was held by a prior management group. Right. Everyone that had faith in him and that was ready to put their jobs on the line no longer has a job. So I look at Jonathan Drouin as a guy who was the next out of the door that wasn't part of this mentality and you know, they always say, like, when a new GM comes in, he wants a new coach. He also wants his own players. Like, he wants his coach right. and his players. Bergevin made it clear that after a few years, he got his players. Like, he got them. He traded Subban. He traded Pacioretty. He got his players. And for me, Drouin is the one that that's a Bergevin player, but Bergevin is no longer there. I get so, what you're going with. So, like, look, again, he can go out there and play amazing, but he does. When Ken Hughes says what he wants in a player, I don't see Jonathan Drouin as that guy. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So I might have I might have avoided your question a bit, just no, by no. going off a bit on a bit of a Drouin rant here. Um, no, but you 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 hit. I, I think that you. I think that. I think that you're right because I think that myself. I think I might be looking at this in in a light where Monhad and Dad Monhad. I might be. A little bit too optimistic for certain players to the point mm-hmm. where it might where where my where my hypothetical might actually come true. But I don't. But I think if we temper expectations here and if we're realistic, um, Monahan and Dadnov are not. Look, Dadnov could put up twenty five, and that's great. But I don't think we have enough players that would make no. a difference, right? Especially if Dadnov's playing with a guy like Gallagher, I just don't see him scoring twenty five. Absolutely, like he's got to be on that number one line, that number one power play, and he's got to be on the ice for twenty one minutes a night. Which is not um, just unrealistic. Which is not going to happen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, he's here to get assets, but he's also, he can't come here to get in the way of others, you know? Especially the development of such, of yeah, younger exactly. players, right? So, exactly. Let's get in to the rookies because this Let's is very exciting because a lot, or two weeks ago when we actually recorded this, our views on certain rookies was completely different than they are now because they actually played games. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start with. I guess the elephant in the room. Um, the first overall pick, Yuri Slavkovsky, who, under the words of Kent Hughes, has been underwhelming. So I'm I'm gonna chime in here quick. I, I I just before we get into this, I wanted to just say that we we also talked about last time is that I actually was able to attend the the uh, pre-camp, like the, oh, yes. the small the small the, rookie development Buffalo. camp. The reason that I think that it's important to add this in is because I got to see a few rookies, younger players play in that in that smaller tournament. And now you're getting to see them play in preseason hockey. So it's a lot has changed, right? Since the last yeah. time we recorded. Yeah. But now to go back, so there so there were players that you know stood out to me, and I wrote them down like the Owen Becks, the Kane and Ghoulies, the Arbor Jackeyes, the the Massars, the Turingis, the Trudos, whatever. Mm-hmm. The one Richard. guy that didn't stand, yeah, there you go. The one guy that didn't stand out to me, and I, and we spoke about this was the Slavkovsky, the Uri Slavkovsky. And I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna go out here and say that like like we'll we'll, we'll discuss this. But we talked about this before preseason started. Now he's got two preseason games under his belt, and he's underperformed. He's been a little bit underwhelming. Now again, we're not we're, we are far from people that overreact to you know small sample sizes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now what? What's the next step? What do we do? Or I say we, it's not up to us. What do they do now with the number one overall pick going into this season? Sorry, I said Richard, but Richard, he played well in training camp. He's not a rookie. Sorry. but Oh, no, you're good. Anyways. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, which, num- number 90? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, Slavkovsky. If there's one thing that you look at Yuri Slavkovsky and you say, 
like there's one thing that's evident. It's that he wants the puck. He wants it. Mm-hmm. But look, people have to be patient with the fact that he's a winger. So he's not always going to have the puck on that stick, right? He's going to be skating up and down the ice, up and down, gets the puck, shot here and there. He's not going to be like if you, when you're drafting an Austin Matthews, a centerman, a Connor McDavid who gets up into the National Hockey League, they always have the puck. They always have it. Obviously, I'm not comparing Stavkovsky to Austin Matthews, but... Right, because that's just not um, his style of play. Yeah, but there, a centerman always has the puck constantly. At the same time, he just, he looks a bit lost. He looks a bit, it's not his system. It's not his same, the ice is smaller. Again, I don't like using that excuse too much. I don't love it, but it is. It's a fact. But I don't um, think it's an excuse, Mark, at this point. Because exactly. I think if we look at it, what he's played actually a legitimate four games, two preseason and maybe two pre-camp games on a smaller ice. That's four mm. games total where his whole career, he's played in Europe. His whole career. Yeah. Maybe Europe, it's bigger. That's what I'm saying. So here it's smaller. Mm. Yeah. So the point that I'm trying to make is that like four games, that's two, that's not enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. No, 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 that's why like, but I don't like using that excuse because then there's players like Mazar who's done the exact same thing and he comes here and he's flying. You know what I mean? But I think that we can both agree that Mazar's game versus Slavkovsky's game is very, very different. Oh, very different. Um. But, you know, look, there's obviously the expectation where it's the first overall pick. You want to see him go out there and absolutely dominate, especially in the rookie camp. Like, especially mm-hmm. there because it's all rookies. In preseason, okay, he, he's allowed to have those flashes of, you know, he's an 18-year-old kid who just doesn't seem like he's in his place, and that's fine. He said after the first game that for the game against Toronto, he wanted to be more, like, in there, more on the puck and make more of an impact. And he didn't. He had a worse game. So that's where you kind of look back and you say, look, it's easy. It's easy to say stuff and then it's easy to say stuff, but you got to do it. Um, and look, obviously now Montreal, Canadians hockey, Twitter is blowing up where they made the wrong choice. We shouldn't have even traded for Doc. We should have drafted Nazar. Everyone's freaking out. I don't know if you like I, I went today on Twitter and everyone's freaking out. Um but let's let's relax here. I think he's still a very good hockey player. But moving forward, what I thought maybe two, three weeks ago is different than what I think now for where he would start this season. Um, because you look at a guy like Mazar and you look at a guy and some of the players like Kidney and they're the same age. They were drafted in the same year, but they just seem like they're in that element and they're they're there. And everyone's everyone's path is different when it comes to development, right? We know that. So how do how do how are the Canadians going to find and make sure that the peak of Yuri Slavkovsky is at the peak of the Montreal Canadiens and like they they properly time that and make sure it doesn't get ruined, right. you know? I, I think he starts I, in Laval. I, and and personally, I don't I don't see a, I, I don't see a problem mm-hmm. with that. Truthfully, I really really don't. And yeah. and look, the one thing that through the the few games that I've watched him play, and look, I'm not I'm no scout, and but but I but I pay very close attention. And the one thing that I've noticed is that his pace of play is very so far has been very poor. By pace of play, I mean you know whether it's skating up the like positioning based on the speed of the game. And I find that that's been very poor. But then again, but then again, we can't expect very much from a guy. And look, again, you don't like bringing up the excuse, but it, it is a different game altogether when you're going from Europe mm. to North American ice. So I think that, again, we have to temper our expectations a little bit. And I think that he's very, very skilled. The hands are there. The skill, the, the vision is there. The, the weight, the height is there. So I think it's just about polishing these things, about you know taking that next level where his game could adjust to a more NHL-level-ready hockey player. And, that, and that's fine if he spends some time in Laval. Now, do I think that he should start the season in the NHL? Probably not. I think that I think that the ten. I think people would overreact to the ten games. Yeah, and honestly, and I first of all, I think if he does the ten games and plays very poorly, then it's going to have an effect for the next time he gets called up. You know, like kind of like Primo, who like probably, you know what I mean, who had a lot of like bad experiences in the NHL um, because he was forced into the net. but when it comes to Slavkovsky, and everyone's going to say, you know, around the league, you just drafted a first overall pick who's playing in Laval, in the AHL. A lot of these players that were drafted first overall in recent times, and I think this is Pierre Lebrun who brought it up, or Darren Dreger, they weren't eligible for 
the AHL. They were eligible for either CHL or National Hockey League. Because of age, correct? And because of their rights. Right. Like, if you look at a guy like, um, let's take, who was drafted first overall in recent times. You want to take uh, Erasmus Dahlin? Or is that too No, because he came from Europe. Right. Um, but like a North American skate. Let's say Connor McDavid, for example. Let's say Connor McDavid. Okay, like I'm just saying this, but like, let's say Connor McDavid had a, a slow training camp. What are the options? It's either National Hockey League or Erie Otters. Why were you going to send him to the Erie Otters? Right. You're gonna you're gonna keep him here, and you you want to take care of him. He's your first overall pick, but having the the possibility to send him to Laval, it's still you taking care of him. It's your organization. Mm-hmm. You're still keeping a close eye on him. So. You get to take care of where he's playing on the power play, what he's doing, all that. So they have the opportunity to do that. So it's not really a bad option. You're not saying completely elsewhere. Look at Austin Matthews. I think the case was also, it was Toronto. He wasn't going to go back to Zurich. There was no other option. They couldn't send him to the, I don't think they were able to send him to the Marlies. Obviously, he came in the NHL and scored four goals in his first game. Generational talent. You can't really compare. But for, for Slavkovsky, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um... I do think he has to manage his weight on the ice. He's huge. He's heavy, but he's falling. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Kotkaniemi a bit at the beginning. Right. But at the end of the day, I think you have to be patient with him. I think, look, Nathan McKinnon took him years. Took him a few years to get that that groove. I think I sent him back to Laval. You make him dominate over there and make him settle into this North American game. And you slowly incorporate him into your system and make him build up his way. A lot like Suzuki did. To me, there, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. Well, you're like, I, I a hundred percent agree. And you know what? To, to, to feed off that, you know, I brought this up on the, on the, the episode that got cut out here, but mm-hmm. I always, my favorite reference again, not the same player, not, not even drafted nearly in the same, in the same stratosphere, but teach Thompson yep. six, seven, 218 pounds. How long did look? I know, I know it's a smaller sample size. I know that he did it for one year. He put up sixty-eight points, seventy-eight games, and it, and it was a and it was a, his best season to date. He was drafted in twenty sixteen, first first round, twenty sixth overall mm-hmm. by St. Louis. Now he's with uh, Chicago. Now he's with Buffalo. Yeah, Slavkovsky is two uh, two thirty eight, two hundred thirty eight pounds and six three or six four. Correct me if I'm six four, right? Yeah. W- I understand I that he was drafted first overall, but why does it mean that his best season or he needs to come out of the gate flying and he needs to yeah. do per game, right? That, that, that's I think that from from a hockey standpoint, take away the fact that we're Hasbro's from a hockey standpoint, we have to be realistic with ourselves and realize that not every single player that enters into this league is going to have an instant impact on the game. It's going to take them some time to, first of all, he's already the fifth heaviest player in the NHL. He hasn't. He's technically not in the NHL yet, but he yeah. would be the fifth the fifth heaviest player in the NHL. So right there, then and there, you're looking at a player who has to adjust and get used to playing at such a heavy weight and, and such a, and such a, such a tall guy. Right. So it's, it's not easy. So for him to, for people to expect that he's going to come out of the gate flying, put up points on the board, it's, it's unrealistic. So if it takes him two, three years, people are not going to be happy, but they'll be happy with the the end result when he starts, when he starts exactly contributing. Right. It's the same people at the draft that were saying, make sure. I hope the Canadians draft a guy that is not going to be the best next year, but the best in five years are the same people that are right now saying, well, we should have drafted right. Because he's going to have more of an instant impact right yeah. away, right? Like, you know, exactly. See, that, like, that, you know what I mean? You know, players take different paths. We've seen yeah. it many times, and, and some players take a lot longer to de- develop, right? Nathan McKinnon had a great rookie season, had a sophomore slump, people freaked out, and then slowly he got back into the groove and became one of the be- better players in the NHL. Now, am I, am, I, am I comparing his situation to Slavkowski? No, but I'm comparing the fact that people take players take different paths, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Riley Kidney looks amazing. Everyone knows that, I think. If you watch the Habs, you could see him right away. He got sent back to the okay. OHL last night. I think um, it was to the Q, if I'm not mistaken. Kidney? He plays kidney for the Q? And, and yeah, he plays for Bathurst, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, but I'll, I'll double check. But yeah. Uh, it was, who's the other one? Hua? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He was, yeah, I'm not surprised. Oh, he got sent back to, it's true. We were having that debate on the, um, on the episode that got cut out. 
was it going to be Laval for Hua or the Q for Hua? And I guess they made that decision easy for us today. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, we don't, we don't have, we don't have to debate it. But yeah, it, so sorry to cut you off, but it is uh, it is Bathurst. So Ak- Bathurst Ak- there. He, last year he put up 100 points in 66 games. So now he's going back for his fourth season uh, there. Only only 19 years old. <laughs> only 19 yeah, years old. Yeah, so. crazy. We'll see. Um, Owen Beck. Did they make a decision on him yet? No, it was only them two yesterday, right? Only them two, yeah. And I know that there was a bunch of cuts today uh, that were made. So I think Yan, uh, Yan Misak. Uh, oh, Misak was sent back to the O? He was sent back, note to Laval for a tryout in oh, Laval. Oh, it's true. He's done. He's done in the O. Yeah, done. Yeah. So okay. he'll probably solidify a spot there. Um, I, I'd have to check the other names, but yeah. Hold on. Am I confusing Beck with uh, Kidney? Yeah, I think I'm confusing Beck with Kidney. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. From the rookie tournament. So, Owen, but, oh, oh, you're, okay, yes, you are. Because you said Riley Kinney looks amazing, right? Yeah, sorry. I meant so, to say Owen Beck. I mean, Riley Kinney does not look be- no, poor either. No, sorry, but, yeah. But uh, no, but, uh, it was it Owen Beck. Beck. Took, yeah, okay, sorry. Because Owen Beck was the one drafted this year. That's what I meant to yeah. say. Sorry. No, Owen Beck looks amazing. Yes. yes. And that's going to be a very tough. Oh, look, I don't think it's going to be a very tough decision. I think they're going to send him back. Um, but, but I think I think we can both agree that there is a world where he does get a ten day contract with the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, hundred percent. And I, we're going to get into that to say maybe give ourselves three players that are going to get that that ten game contract, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But yeah, mm-hmm. Owen Beck to me, and I've mentioned this before. It's kind of like you know when you're like Owen Beck was drafted this year, Kidney was drafted last year. So when you're looking at potential trades or other options, Beck has now made Kidney movable. Right. Even though Kidney, again, you can't give up because just because another guy's performing better than you. Because Kidney's still playing well, but Beck is playing on a different level. Right? Right. He's he, Beck, I, Beck looks really like he skates well. He has good hands. At the I'm red versus impressed white, he looks good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm very um, impressed. So that's going to be one of those situations again. Down the center, they look good in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, we're looking at all these, I was talking to one of my buddies and we're like looking at all these rookies and it's the first time where I'm watching a Canadian's preseason game and it's not one guy I want to see in previous well, years. It. It's in previous years. It's like, Oh my God, I want to see the third overall pick caught Kenyami. I want to go watch him. And everyone's watching or even, him. or even the Sergachev. Like I remember that was or the Sergachev. Exactly. Yeah. Now there's like, there's, there's kidneys names there's on Beck, names. There's Gooley. There's Jackye. There's Harris. There's all these guys. Slavkovsky, Mazar, Heineman. And just to think that there's more coming. Like, there's still a guy like Sean Farrell, who once he's done with the NCAA, is going to absolutely tear up this training camp. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm looking at these players, and it was yesterday that I was, I don't know if you listened to the press conference of the player development team. So they had Francis Bouillon, Marie-Philippe Poulain. Um, I'm sorry, I forget the other ones. Right, and there was also, um, what's his name? The guy who goes on the ice with them, Nick. Is it Nick? Hold on, let me find that. Anyway, sure. But one of the development people were talking about the fact that about the fact that you have to take your chance here because there's more people coming, and I think this is the first time in a long time where the Montreal teams you look at their pipeline, and there are more people coming. Mm-hmm. I just look at a guy like, like I know he's a solidified NHL player, but if I'm Jake Evans and I'm watching Owen Beck, you gotta right, be worried. You're shaking a little bit. You know what I mean? And then yeah. if if I'm Riley Kidney, I'm looking at Owen Beck and going, "Wait, how did this happen? I was I was that guy a few months ago." And just right, every now, year, there's gonna be those new people. And it's just it's cool. It's cool to see. I see. And and I have a and I have a question for you because you know we keep talking about this guy gets surpassed by this guy and and on a year to year basis it changes. But does that does that maybe does that scare you a little bit that that it might that it might be too many too many prospects or too many upcoming guys that that no internal competition is the best competition. Yeah, I agree with that. If you have guys pushing each other to get to that spot and everyone's going to try and be at their best level every game, you know? Uh, let me just find names before we move on because now it's bothering me because it was honestly fascinating. 
Okay, so plural element, uh, Rob Hamaj, the, the head. So he was the guy that was mentioning, you know, those new people coming in every time. Bouillon, Marie-Philippe Poulain. Okay, Adam Nicholas. It's Adam, his name. I don't know if you've ever heard him speak, this guy. He's mesmer... Like, he is amazing. Really? Like, after this episode, try and find on Twitter the, the press conference he had yesterday. Just... He covers um, hockey development, but he brings in so many aspects. Just listening to this. And anyone who's listening to us right now, you have to listen to Adam Nicholas speak. Like, I heard this guy... Like, I was listening to talk yesterday... It's it's I've never seen anything like it, and for him to be a part of our organization is honestly something special. Like really, I'm definitely gonna development. No, like it was it was amazing the stuff that he looks into on just a single player. Like he studies every single player on this Canadians team individually before he works with them on the ice. So like, hmm. I don't know. It's just I I feel like the Canadians are in good hands. I, don't know, I was listening to him talk yesterday, and I was like, geez, this is this is very cool. It's something we've never seen before. But anyways, right. Moving forward, um, it feels good to have all these rookies. And now we'll move on to the defensemen because we talked a bit about the forwards. Mm-hmm. You watched Jack Eye at the uh, tournament in Buffalo. You watched Harris. You watched Barron. Yeah, those are the big three, except for Gooley, because Gooley to me is a National Hockey League player. I don't even I don't even put him in that category of bubble roster play. He's there. Yeah, He's no, guy. I agree with that. I agree with He's that. that guy. So out of those so, three, out, out of those three, I don't even think it's actually close. I don't think it's close. And for me, it's Arbor Jackai, the best player okay. out of those three. Okay. I, I don't, I think that, look, a little bit unpolished. There's no doubt about that. He's still, there's still pieces to his game that, that he could potentially add to, you know, to, to, to be more of an NHL ready player. But he has all the basics, the fundamentals mm-hmm. to be that guy. Now, it's not to say that Harris and Barron are not are not there, but Jacki is really special. I think I, you call that a diamond in the rough. And and he pro- and he sh- look the way that he plays. He plays such a physical game, but he he also has there's offensive upside, right? He's being placed on the first power on the first power play unit. He's moving the puck. His vision is great. His moves at the at the blue line are very smooth. There's no there's no hesitation in his game. Mm-hmm. Look, he's gonna make the odd mistake, but his recovery time is very very impressive. In the corners, no one wants to step foot in the corner with a with a big boy with big boy Arbor Jacki. There's no there's no yeah. way. So I think that all the, the intimidation factor to his game, coupled with the offensive potential that he might bring to the table, is absolutely incredible. And I think that that's what sets him apart from a guy like Harris or Barron, and not and not giving them a hard time, just more elevating a guy like Jacki. Yeah, there's obviously things to improve on, and I want to see Jacki against real. Like I want to see him go up against Mitch Marner because. You saw yesterday or whenever their well, game Mitch was. Mitch Martin is playing defense, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> his like his gap was okay; it wasn't amazing, like against certain players. And I think he was still adjusting to the NHL speed. Right? It's a huge, it's a huge jump from what he yeah. was playing and to now. Like having a guy like Neilander come at you. Imagine him going up against McDavid. There's obviously going to be things to adjust. Um, but yeah, I agree. Jacki has taken that look ten or two weeks ago. I'm telling you right now. Justin, it was Justin Barron's job to lose, and he lost it. He did, and and Where, not only did not only did sorry to cut you off, but not only did he lose it to Arbor Jacki, he also lost it to to Jordan Harris. Yeah, we're a few games into the preseason, we're a few games in the training camp. He lost it already. Yeah, Jordan Harris looks really good, looks comfortable. He does, and it's unfortunate and, that it doesn't it, it doesn't seem like he's gonna get a spot on opening night. You know. I might see him getting a spot on opening night. Okay. See, I see for him. Me, yeah, go ahead. The decision is for me, do you play him on the first pair on the left in Laval? Or does he make the roster on the right? Because I think he can make the roster on the right. It's just if you look at his development, would it be better off to just send them on that first pair with Baron in Laval? Or, te- or if he... Because now it's coming down to the wire between Jacki and Harris, in my opinion, with these next few games. And if Harris has that little edge over him, I think he can slot into that right spot. But yeah, and look, we'll see what happens. Because I think they're both left shot, right? Jacki and Harris. Jacki is left shot. Yeah. Yeah. So 
and obviously Gooley's left shot, correct? Gooley's left shot, yeah. So we're kind of looking at who's going to be in that rotation with Weidman. Is it Jacki or Harris? And it could be both. It could be a bouncing effect, you know, every time they switch it around. Um, but I think, in my opinion, they're both going to get that, those 10. I think Barron's going to get, obviously, until he's in a training camp. But they're both going to get th- that 10-game or 9-game um, trial. And it's right. going to go from there. But it's interesting because, uh, I don't know. It is interesting. They both, it, they both look it's, really it's, good. It's fun to see, and especially a guy like Jack. I look. I, I'm like we root. You root for the guy that you know goes yeah. undrafted, and his style's and, amazing and starts, too. Oh, I, I well, not not only his style off the ice, <laughs> but his style on the ice is also yeah. like he's like he's like like we talked about last time. Like he's a mix of like an Emelin type physicality with like a Sherrod potent. Like look, we're like Sherrod's offensive upside is not incredible, but you know what I'm saying? Like that type yeah. of like involved. Yeah. Like he's still involved, and he can still make plays. Now, like I think Arbor, I, I think Arbor Jack guys. Offensive potential is higher than Sherratt's. I think we can both agree yeah. on that. But the fact yeah. that he brings that physicality on defense and it's just—it's also really fun to watch. So, look, I'm not going to be biased and say that he is a—you know—I'm not saying that he's a better player than Barron. I'm not saying that he's a better player than Harris. I just think that his style and I think what he's bringing to the table in the pre-tournament and in and in preseason might merit that spot or a 10-day contract at least in uh, for opening night on opening night. The Canadians need. Baron to find his game though like, i agree but i think we that want. we should be patient though yeah we should be patient but he's that right shot he is the right shot and the fact that he's losing his spot to left shots is somewhat concerning um and it's not that he's like playing bad he's just he doesn't look involved he's not out there you know yeah um but you know what? Look, okay, he, he's 20 years old. And I'm not saying that you're not giving him that. I, I'm just I'm just adding on to the fact that, like, look, he's 20 years old. And, and a right shot defenseman in this league is hard to come by to begin with. So I think that, like, the development process might be a little bit, might be a little bit longer. And, and again, like we talked about with Slavkovsky, that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And look, he was drafted by he was drafted by Colorado. He makes his way over to Montreal. He played a few games with us last season. Then the season, look, a, a year, a year or three quarters of a season in Laval might do him very, very, very good. And we've seen yeah. that with other prospects in, in in our in our prospect pool, especially on on defense. Right, a guy like Norlinder has taken actually the opposite route, unfortunately, and he might be more of a project. Yeah, I feel bad, man. It's yeah, not. I feel bad. Sorry, it just it sucks because I looked at Norlinder as the guy two years ago. Obviously, all these guys came. The other guys came in, but he was like, I think COVID ruined him. Like the fact that he was bouncing around. Le- I think he played in four leagues last year. Like that's horrendous. Yeah, he, like, that's he does really not, bad. I thought that maybe the preseason game, preseason games, he might you know turn it turn it up a little bit. It's just, it's just you know, again, it's There's again no but, confidence. But, but you know what? It's funny because we look at a guy like Norlander who hasn't played exceptionally well. There's no doubt about that. We, we, we can both agree on that. But add the fact that you have all these other guys, the Ghoulie, the Harris, the Jacki, the whatever, let's leave out Baron in this case, who are just playing so well that it just overshadows Norlander's play. Yeah. So it's yes, it's the fact that he's not playing well, but it's the fact that these other guys are playing so exceptional that you, you, start, you start taking a guy like Norlander and putting him in the backseat. So it's, uh, it's interesting. But there's, there is some internal competition, which you just mentioned is is the best type of competition or is 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 very beneficial for for an organization especially this Montreal Canadiens organization. And on Kaden Gooley, I think we'll keep it simple. We love Kaden Gooley. He he's just he, amazing. He's, he's electrifying. Amazing. His amazing. skating ability is also so is it's, so is so Eric Carlson Shea Weber. He skates yeah. so well, he's big, he has that Physical. presence. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's, and and honestly, okay, so I we didn't actually get to to talk about this and now you know we're we're going to try away from the rookies for a second. But let's talk about Kirby Doc for a second here. Because, oh, yeah. We didn't talk yeah, about Kirby. So last episode, when, the one that got cut out, we did talk about the contract, but we didn't talk about it this time. And okay. we haven't really, we haven't, but, but we, but let's talk about him because he's got some preseason action now under his belt. He signed for a four years, three point. I'm going to try and I'm trying to get this right without looking three point three, six, two, five. Pretty Is sure. it that? I don't know. I have no idea. So I was going to say 3.4. No, I'm, I, I, I looked it up before, but yeah. Okay. So three, 3.3625. Okay. Um, people were a little bit not upset, but people were like, "How how are you giving him this much money when he hasn't proven anything in the NHL?" But yeah, we can both agree that you pay someone for what they're going to do, not what they have done in the past, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we've seen that. That's that's the direction that the NHL has gone in, 
And uh, I, I just wanted to point out the reason that I was saying so strong on the puck is because every time I watch these preseason games that like Kirby Doc's involved in and he gets into the corner and the puck is on his stick, that he can't be he can't get knocked off the puck. He looks good. I'm, I'm just gonna say I flat like out, that. he looks he looks good. He looks quick, he's physical, he's, and he's, he's a smart and he's a puck. smart hockey player too. I, I honestly I wasn't expect I was expecting to watch a better skating caught Kanyami at first. You know, a guy who's still getting used to because I didn't watch a lot of a lot of the Blackhawks games last season. I didn't watch. Mm-hmm. But he looks good. He looks yeah. really good. And and people were saying, you know, he, he's a bit weak on the, along the boards. Uh, he looked fine. Yeah, no, to me, I, I even saw a play yesterday where the puck was behind the net. He picks it up. He, you know, he he protected it so well with his body and mm-hmm. he came out of the corner, made the pass to the point, right? Like those are the little things that go unnoticed because, you know, he might not be putting up, you know, a point or two a game in the preseason, but it's, it's the little things, right? That you want to see out of a young 21 year old. But I, I was impressed, truthfully. I was impressed. The eye test, that. he passed. Yeah, passed, he passed the eye yeah. test, 100%. Check that, and, check that box. And for the first viewing of the Zabinijad project, it's looking pretty good. It's looking there you pretty go. good. This yeah, Jeff I mean, Gordon's. This is Jeff Gordon's project. 100. percent It is. Like, there's let's, no let's, doubt in my mind that this is his project. Let's see it come to fruition. And along the same note, or on the same vein here, I look. Again, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that we can both agree that Cole Caulfield's an exceptional player. But the confidence this guy is playing with, like he looks, he looks like he he own, the, when the puck is on his stick, he owns the puck. Don't touch. Think- don't. It, it's his. I think you should go to Laval. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea too. Go, go, send him. Go, let him play with uh, who? who Anthony Richard. And uh, I think he, he's done more confidence. Yeah, he looks. He looked good with that A on his jersey too. Yeah. No, but you know what? Okay, because last year there were there were points in times, more specifically through the first half of the season, right? Which we can both agree was just you got to you got to throw that out the window. But you know, he looked scared to make plays like he's he looks scared when the puck was on his stick like he didn't like he didn't want to mess up now it's like if the puck's on his stick and like he messes up like he'll like you saw it like i don't know if you saw last night but you know he he, on on the power play he turned the puck over they went the Mm -hmm. other way he made a nice defensive play on 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 the back check and 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 he goes down the other way and and makes something happen you know so it's just like he he's not scared to make the mistakes he's scared he's playing with a with a different level of confidence and to add on to that he put on a little bit of weight this offseason. Mm-hmm. Good weight. Good weight. Yeah, so muscle. I, I think going into the... Yeah, I don't know why I called it good weight. <laughs> muscle. <laughs> so going into those corners, there's, again, an, ex, an added level of confidence not, not to play scared, not to go up against some of these bigger guys because he's got, he's got a very nice base, a very sturdy base. So, again... Yeah, there's... no, uh, we, we have our guy. He's our guy. We've been yeah, begging for right. an elite player and we have it, but we're not really... Like, like uh, you know, when you like beg for something, then you finally get it, and you kind of just push it aside. Well, yeah, because it's not because because you 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 th- thought about it for so long that now it's just yeah, an exactly. afterthought, right? Exactly. But I want to ask you a question now. Well, look, I don't. I'm I'm bringing this up just because it's it's a point of reference here. But, uh, uh sorry, Caulfield's over <laughs> under on goals this season is thirty and a half. So oh, over. Over. You're smashing the over. Over. Yeah, hundred percent. I think so too. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll ask the viewers. Uh, I'm curious to see what they have to say because yeah, you, you can see a world where he hits a 28 mark. I think he. I, I think he finishes with 34 this year. Okay. Yeah. So 34 goals and how many points? Around doesn't have to be adding the assists. Just curious. How many points do you think he puts up? Ballpark is like 65 to 70. And I was going to say 65. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. 65 to 70 I think points. It's fair. I think it's very fair. I think I if think you're scoring 34 for... goals, you should be in the 60s, you know? Right, because you'll add on like, I on think, like, assists, right? Give or take. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you see Arpen Basu's tweet about the kid? Talking about Jackeye? No. Which one? Okay, so... Well, maybe I did, but I don't... So he's explaining a situation with the kid, and he says, so this kid just asked me... This 11-year-old kid just asked me, who's number 72? And I said, Arbor Jack-Eye, spelt or pronounced Jack-Eye. And, and the kid said, so you're just saying it backwards. Oh, wow. How has no, how has no one thought of this? Wait, hold on. Look that's at Arbor Jack-Eye's name. Yeah, because it's, it's... Hold on, I have it written down here. So it's X-H-E... K-A-J. Yeah. Jack. So, so backwards, Jack. Why? <laughs> like Jack A, but like Jack I. Jack A, but Jack I, yeah. 
That is so strange. Uh, this kid's going to Harvard. <laughs> you think you think that's how his name is actually pronounced, or you think that's how he wants it pronounced? No, I, Do you know what? <laughs> I have no idea. What do we used to call him? I used to call him something else. Harbor uh, eggs, or like Eggs Jack or something like No, no, listen. Or Ekadge, Ekadge or something. Yeah, I don't remember. But something that Zekaj? was not Zekaj maybe. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds familiar. Zekaj? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, that was just I found that I found that funny. Um, we're reaching the oh my god, already at the hour mark. Um, so we'll wrap it up on. What do you want to wrap it up on? I, I okay. I, I want to. You know what? I think this. Could please be not the lines. We, please, please. No, 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 no lines. Okay. But I think this could be. A, we can do this segment going forward, and let me know what you think. I'm gonna fire. Yeah. Three rapid questions at you. You have to just give me what, like, off the top of your head, your answer. Off the top. Okay. Is the we're, next we're episode, I wrap, I fire them at you. Sure, we'll do that. Okay. But I, I was just I thinking have, about it because yeah. I have a few things written down here, and I think that okay. if I, first thing that comes to mind, no questions asked. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna judge. Okay. okay? First question. <laughs> nervous. Gooley Jack I Harris, which two make Jack the team? Gooley Harris. Okay. Does Lefkowski start in the NHL? Start in the AHL. AHL. And lastly, which of these? No, I'm not taking that one. Does Owen Beck get a 10 day contract with the Montreal Canadiens? Like, does he get the 10 game, like the nine he... game? Yeah, the nine game. One Beck? Yes. Owen Beck. Yes. Actually, okay. no. I replaced no? that. You know no. who does? You know who does? Bold take right here. You know who gets nine games with the Montreal Canadiens? Emil Heineman. Ooh, we didn't talk about him. Emil Heineman. I, I was okay. going to mention, I've completely forgot. I okay, think so he you're... gets nine games and he pushes it. And it's not nine games. Like it's because once you pass nine games, the first year of your annual contract is burned. So that's what we, for the people that don't understand what we're talking about, that usually they give you nine games and then they'll send you back to either your respective um, junior league or the, the AHL so that that first year of your NHL contract doesn't get burnt. Mm-hmm. Well, usually it's OH. Yeah, usually it's the junior league. Anyways. So that's what we mean by nine games. So I think, I truly think if there's one, if there's one player I'd have to put my money on as a forward to even make the team. You make it your oh over, Emil, over Slavkowski too. And Mel Heineman. He's he's looked really, really good. I um I forgot I, I should have talked about him. Because he looked he also did look good in the pre-camp that I saw. And mm-hmm. I was like, this guy, this guy and Owen Beck look uh, tremendous. I think Owen Beck's still gonna get nine games. Like, I think, okay, I think they're gonna. gonna get... I want. I think they're they're gonna want him to taste the NHL a lot, like Harris tasted it last year. You know, just a bit. Okay. Taste it, um, and just see what he, how he looks out there. I don't think he's gonna make the team. Hundred percent. I don't think he makes the team. Heineman, on the other hand, he looks like. You know what he looks like? He looks like Max Pacioretty. I yeah. I was gonna say. I I talked about this with my friend, and that was the comparison that came to mind. Right. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a not as crazy fast skater, but a decent skater in terms of stride. Insane shot yeah. and a pretty good hockey mind. He has a wire. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. His shot is incredible. Wire. His shot is incredible. Um, but yeah, that's what. Yeah. Okay, so so just to go over my rapid questions because I think I'm gonna we're gonna post yeah this so, also. let's go over them. So, yeah. D man spots. You're taking Gooley Jacki in a pool of Gooley Jacki Harris. You're taking Gooley Harris or Gooley Jacki. Gooley Harris. Gooley so Harris. Gooley Harris. So you're leaving yeah. Jacki out. Okay, not a fan yeah. of that one. Question two. <laughs> I have seven. I have Harris. I have Harris on the right. Sorry on the right. Right, fair enough. Second question: Slav status, AHL, w- NHL. I almost said WHL. AHL, NHL. <laughs> he's starting in the AHL for you. WNBA. Uh, yeah, AHL. <laughs> okay, he's starting in the AHL. And question American three: American Hockey Owen League. Beck, Owen Beck, nine day. You say yes, but you're you're. I say you're, yes. Your added on answer is that Heineman also gets that nine day, and makes the team, and and pushes to make the team. Okay, yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I think I think they'll give Beck. A few, you know, just to say, why not? I don't. Maybe it's not gonna be the home opener. Maybe they'll throw him in a game against Buffalo, you know, just to see him. But who knows? It honestly, it depends on how the camp finishes. But as of right now, why not? It doesn't hurt. But yeah, um, I like it. I like it. I, 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 I'm a Heineman fan. I like it. He better change his number, but I'm a Heineman fan. I like the 51. It makes him look like it's like Patrady esque. It's like no, the 67. It's David Dayarnay. No, but you know what? To me, it's not because the body type is so different that it just suits. Like, like sixty-seven is a weird number for a player to wear, and because Patch already wore it, it made sense. Now that 50. he's wearing fifty-one, it makes sense. Okay, so what do you want him to change the number to? You're going to say in the twenties. You know what? So I, dust. I would, I would give him, I would give him. I don't know what I'd he wore. Him, what do you wear? You know what? Uh... I, you know what I'd give him? I'd give him sixty-five. 
That would no, look good on him. That's horrible. It's a goalie no, number. Good. Bully number 65? Yeah. Oh, Hyman. Let's see what number he's worn in the past. He's worn 15, 15, 29, 9. So you can't wear any of those except 15. Hey, if he gets 15, I could change the name on the back of my jersey. No, that looks terrible. That looks terrible. Oh, he's worn 13 with Sweden. You- 13, 13, there we go. ML Heinemann, 13. No one's wearing 13. No. He's got to wear Some like guys a high number. He's, I'm telling you, he's got to wear like 86 or something. Well, that's kidney. 86 well, kidney. It's not on the team. It's not on the team, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does look good on kidney, though. I'm not going to lie. I Anyways, think... um, yeah, that's my... If there's one dark horse making the... Okay, I'll ask... That's my dark horse. Making the Montreal Canadiens this year, my dark horse, Emil Heinemann. Who's yours? It could be Slavkovsky. It's not a dark horse, though. Oh, for I mean, well, playing. I guess, yeah, fair enough. Um, oh God, like dark horse, like that. That that's in in the that's actually in the realm. It could be. Of it could be Beck. It could be Beck. It could be Beck. Because you're still looking at an 18 year old kid in Beck. That's a dark horse. If he makes the NHL, that's uh, you know. It's a cool soldier. Then, then I would think I would take Beck at, to make the team. That would be my dark horse pick. If I had to take another one, I would actually have Jack Eye making the team as well. Okay. I think okay. I think that I would put ahead of the Beck one. And I think that's I think that's even even though there's more spots on the on the defensive side than there is on the offensive side, right? Like I think we can agree like there's more like there's a like there's three spots for two for two rookies versus like basically no spots for anyone up top. So it, you have to really prove it. But I do think that Jack Eye making the team would be like that so would, I'm that, guess- that's I'm guessing that you would have Gooley so Jacki. Yeah, I'd go yeah, Gooley Jacki. And then you have Beck getting the nine game. I'd trial. have Beck getting the nine game, and I would say Slav AHO. Okay. So, so agreeing, agreement with, in agreement with you. Except yeah. for the defense. Okay. Um, that was fun. I like that segment. But you know what we should do? We'll, we'll post it on Twitter or something, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll each give like our answers, and we'll see who agrees with who more. Okay, cool. Cool. Sounds yeah. good. Um, yeah, that was really fun. I'm happy. Uh, hopefully, the audio is good once uh, once it's all said and done. We filmed yeah. this um, audio and video, so this will be on YouTube in the coming days, depending on how long it takes to upload. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thank you guys so much for tuning in. Check us out on all our social medias. We're back. We're happy to be back. And the uh, weeklies are uh, will be coming in. So um, we're happy you joined us. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks a lot, guys. Stay safe.